0: Visit myflexlearning.com backslash B-E to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash B-E. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 66 of the Are They 18 Yet podcast. In this episode, I am going to talk about one of the common issues that's coming up for for really a lot of therapists, teachers, and parents, and that is misinformation and also common mistakes, so the thing is, is that when I first started practicing as an SLP, I had a lot of information I needed to sift through in order to figure out how to provide effective intervention for my students. So back when I started, really the things that I was sifting through were things like online forums, peer reviewed articles, uh, textbooks, and then there were a handful of, of, um, There were a handful of publications with therapy materials that I would often order from and things like that. So I had a lot of information I had to sift through on top of all the seminars that I was going to. So when you are a therapist with a full caseload or when you're a teacher and you've got a ton of students who need you, that can be a lot when you also have paperwork, a full schedule, back-to-back sessions or classes. But nowadays, not only do teachers, parents, educators have to deal with the information overload of those traditional publications and pieces of information that were commonly out when, you know, when I first started practicing, but also there's all this other information from social media, um, different online platforms where people can sell products And while that does help people to share their message and get information into the hands of people who need it, I certainly utilize all of those methods. it also increases the amount of misinformation that people have to go through. So as a result, you know, we're not just dealing with information overload, we're dealing with misinformation overload as well. So that can actually contribute to the three things that I'm going to talk about today, because while things have changed in the field since I first started practicing, the common questions that come up when it comes to effective language intervention are still really following the same trends. So, every week I get a lot of emails from speech pathologists specifically who want to know how they can tailor their language therapy. So, this this episode is going to be highly relevant to that particular group of listeners. Obviously, if you're a parent or a teacher, it can certainly be helpful in understanding how to help your student or your child as well, but what I have found is that even though there's more information than ever, some of it being low quality, the common questions and the common challenges or mistakes that come up are still pretty similar to when I was practicing. And and as far as the uh, mistakes that I made myself and the, the uh, the, the places where I saw my colleagues getting stuck as well are still pretty similar. And a lot of those questions are things like... You know, where do I even start when it comes to language therapy? How do I know what skills to target and what are highest priority and where to focus and how to sequence them? And then another question that I get a lot is, how do I write good goals for therapy? And so there are a lot of things and a lot of points of confusion that lead to those questions coming up again and again. And a lot of them come down to the three mistakes or misconceptions that I'm going to talk about today. These are going to be some high-level shifts that can be extremely helpful that eliminate a lot of questions or confusion further down the line and can answer some of those questions for you. Because a lot of times when people are getting stuck at a certain point in the process, it's because they didn't have the right mindset or didn't answer the right questions beforehand because a lot of times making certain shifts in the way that you do things can actually help to provide some very clear answers to some of the things that you might be struggling with. I will say that these three things that I'm going to talk about today are what informed the framework that I teach SLPs that helps them to create a system for language therapy. This system is designed to build the underlying language skills kids need in order to have strong academic skills, strong reading skills, strong writing skills, and then build those skills that are going to serve them later in life. They are also the skills that kids need in order to have high-level problem solving and executive functioning. So it all supports what kids need in order to be successful. And a lot of times skipping over these skills, as I'm going to explain today, can result in some breakdown further down the line. So I am going to be mentioning that um, this framework is what I teach in my course, Language Therapy Advanced Foundations. I am going to be doing some special things this month. It is the end of June as I'm recording this episode. And I am going to be doing some extra Q&A sessions and then opening up my calendar for some one-on-one consults for members of the program. Um, I don't normally do a lot of one-on-one consults, but because it's July and I know that a lot of people are not in school, and this is a month that some people like to catch up on their continuing education, I did want to give people that opportunity. So I don't normally do that. Throughout the year, I am going to be doing that as something special this summer just to help people get caught up on their continuing education so that when the school year rolls around, that everybody can be ready to show up for their students and be ready to go. So definitely check the show notes for the direct link to that program. Um, Also, you can go to drkarenspeech.com backslash language therapy for the standard enrollment page. So if you have been thinking about joining and have been kind of lurking, now is a great time to take the leap because you can take advantage of some of those extra calls that I'm going to be doing this next month. Again, to learn more about how to join, just go to drkarenspeech.com backslash language therapy. So now I'm going to share a Facebook Live that I did where I talked about the three common mistakes that are often made when it comes to language intervention. So today I am popping in to talk about the three common mistakes that people make when it comes to language therapy. So I wanted to just say, and I'll kind of abbreviate this to compared to what I said before, but um, I wanted to just say that it's really common to do all of these things. These are things that I did all the time when I first started out as an SLP. And it's just because we have a lot of information available when it comes to being an SLP. And it can be really difficult to figure out where exactly you fit in when it comes to just solving this literacy puzzle because there are so many skills that you could be working on and there's a lot of information out there. You have a ton of peer-reviewed articles and now, which is something that I didn't have to deal with when I first graduated, we've also got social media and a lot of information being shared there. So it can be really hard to sift through that and figure out what exactly to focus on to help your students move forward. So with that in mind, I wanted to talk about the common things that I see when it comes to um, where people get confused, um, and this is just based on my own personal experience and research, and then also from based on mentoring SLPs and helping them create their own systems for their caseload when it comes to language therapy, and, and based on a lot of the questions that I get. So this is what, what formed the foundation for the framework that I teach SLPs when I, when I show them how to create a process for language therapy. And then it also uh, informed the curriculum that I design in my Language Therapy Advanced Foundations course for SLPs, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. But for now, I wanted to get into the mistakes, So mistake number one, and there's going to be three of them today, but the first mistake is that a lot of times I see people treating the symptom of the problem before the cause. Now, this shows up a ton of different ways when it comes to being an SLP, uh, but when it comes to language, there is one key thing where people often get stuck. Now, when you get a language referral on your caseload, a lot of times there might be certain symptoms that are showing up, a lot of times kids are struggling with with general comprehension. So for example, there might be a lot of goals about wh questions or stating the main idea. They might struggle to make inferences. And that's because, you know, a lot of times kids might have gotten their reading instruction, and especially at the this phase where they're kind of making that shift from learning to read to reading to learn, and the instruction in the classroom has really made that shift to focusing more on comprehension than decoding. A lot of times issues come up when it comes to language processing. And so because the symptom of the problem is that kids aren't comprehending and their other peers who are getting the same instruction are, it can seem like the main area that you want to focus is to do more of that. So work on those inferencing questions, work on summarizing and retelling and WH questions and all of those things. And those are absolutely important functional skills that kids need to work on, that kids need in order to be successful in school and in life. But a lot of times when your therapy is solely focused on just working on those skills over and over again, what you're doing is that it's, I liken it to if a, you know, if a child doesn't know how to swim, if you just kind of threw them off the deep end and, wanted them to swim across to the other side of the pool. Yes, of course, swimming to the other side of the pool is an important thing that you (laughs) would want to do. And you'd want to actually practice real swimming if you were going to get to be a better swimmer. But there are a lot of skills that would form the foundation for being able to do that. And so language works the same way. And there's actually... Uh, a decent amount of research that shows that when kids don't have the underlying language skills to support those high-level comprehension skills, like inferential reasoning, all of those things that kind of fall under the window of executive functioning, which is going to be really important to kids being successful in school and in life, if they don't have adequate Uh, adequate vocabulary skills, that they don't have adequate syntactic skills, and they don't have a good sense of what words mean and what sentences mean, that it's going to be really hard for them to apply those executive functioning skills and be able to comprehend. So a lot of those things that we see when we're reading, those, those strategies that we teach kids when we're reading, well, If you don't have strong language skills, then it's going to be really hard. Think about if you couldn't understand a lot of the words in a sentence, or if you didn't have a solid sense of syntax, and you were having a hard time comprehending one sentence at a time, then it would be really hard for you to state the main idea of a whole paragraph. So yes, all of those comprehension skills are really important. That's why teachers focus so much on them in the classrooms, but... Kids are not likely to make progress on those skills if they don't have the language skills. So where you can come in as an SLP is to start to build some of those skills, not to just work on some of the same skills in the classroom that weren't working. And yes, that does work for a lot of kids because a lot of kids can learn some of those reading skills more quickly. And so they might have this, the skills that they need in order to decode. They might have implicitly learned a lot of the syntactic skills that they need to know. But if a student is struggling and they're on your caseload, then they haven't learned those skills implicitly and they need you to be more direct. So, a lot of times, what we need in order to be able to make progress on some of those higher level skills is that language foundation. And so that's why when I design my framework, I am I'm teaching you how to build vocabulary in a way that supports things like phonology, morphology, orthography, semantics, and syntax, all those skills that are going to form that foundation. And while we're doing that, what we want to do is build it in a way that helps kids to build metacognition so that we're supporting those high level comprehension skills and those executive functioning skills. Because eventually, yes. In your intervention, you are going to want to tie some of those things in. But if kids have that missing link, we need to work on that directly. And that's where you can come in as an SLP. And we can work as a team with the other people who are working on those high-level comprehension skills. And so, really, a lot of times the comprehension issues are more of the symptom of the problem than the cause of it. And, and there is research that shows, and and you know, again, I in, in a lot of my in my course in my, and some of my presentations, I do cite some studies that show if kids don't have those adequate morphological skills, phonological skills, then they struggle to decode at the word level. If they don't have the syntactic skills that they need, they struggle to process and comprehend, even if they get a lot of comprehension strategy practice. So, it's not that we're taking away taking that away. It's just that we want to work on this other thing that's going to help them make more progress with those those high level comprehension things. So that's the the first thing that I see people doing is try, working on the the high level stuff before they build that foundation and neglecting the other things. And a lot of times it's just because you know they they got a lot of information or they're getting pressure from their administration because. They think, oh, well, they struggle with comprehension. Let me teach them more comprehension strategies. That totally makes sense. It's what I did, but it it actually is not the way that you're going to help your students make progress. So that leads to the second mistake that people sometimes make. So I mentioned before that so the first thing is that people treat the symptom before the cause. But then, as I mentioned, a lot of times there are people know, okay, well. I do need to work on some of these foundational skills. People sometimes start to realize that. And so they're like, well, but so this is important. I need to work on sentence structure. I need to work on vocabulary. I need to build that foundation. But I also need to work on this other thing over here, these these higher level skills. And, And it's like, there's so many things that are important. And And then that can get kind of overwhelming because you feel like you have to do it all. So the second mistake that I see people doing is trying to work on everything at once or trying to work on all the skills all the time. And so a lot of times when you look at the list of skills that people are working on in language, or if you do a teacher's pay teacher search and it's like, what are the language activities? You get this huge list of discrete skills. And they all seem logical. So, for example, um, we've got categories, associations, WH questions, following directions, synonyms, antonyms, verb tenses, um, sequencing and storytelling and main idea and inferencing and problem solving questions and, you know, all these other narrative skills. And there's this huge list of things and people don't know where to start. And so what a lot of times people do is they get kind of overwhelmed because they feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to miss something. And so then they try to work on all of it at the same time, or they're trying to kind of frantically jump from skill to skill. And I totally did this when I first started. Um, And what happened is that I was trying to work on so many things that I never spent enough time on one thing. And, and then kids were confused and they didn't have enough time to really get solid with one skill at, at a time. And so again, as a result, I didn't have the intensity on the high priority skills. And so they, they never had enough time to, to make progress. And so that is a second mistake that people do is that a lot of times they realize that some of those things that I mentioned are important, but then they don't know how to prioritize and drop the other things and work on them in a clear sequence and structure so that that they can actually make sustainable progress. And so I am going to do a couple other videos uh, next week where I talk about how to actually do this. But I wanted to just give you kind of a a rationale before I do that because because this is why. This is why it's so important to have a solid system because if you don't, then you're not going to be giving your students the intensity that that they need with the direct instruction on the skills that are going to help move them forward. Again, remember that your students are on your caseload because they didn't have the intensity with some of those phonological skills, uh, with, with some of those other the other types of reading instruction where they needed to build some of those skills that are going to help them decode efficiently so that it's automatic rather than sitting there and laborious, laboriously trying to figure out what a word means. What that's going to do is it, it's going to result in issues with cognitive load and that's going to impact their comprehension. So again, if they don't have that intensity with those skills And with specific skills that are going to make a bigger impact, then they're not going to make progress. And so if you try to do too many things at once, then you aren't going to see your students make that good, consistent uh, progress moving forward. And so all I want to say here is that I am going to talk more specifically about how to apply that to specific skills in a couple Facebook Lives that I'm going to do on Monday and Tuesday of next week. But I just wanted you to think about that, that our students need a lot of intensity and they need instruction to be direct. So they need adequate time in order to do that. And a lot of those skills that I mentioned, they're not all created equally. A lot of them are things that can either be eliminated or delegated. So maybe they're important, but You might not need to be the person directly targeting it right now. Maybe you could train somebody else to reinforce what you're doing in a different way. And I do this a lot with some of those high level comprehension strategies when there's a student who really needs that focus work on the underlying language skills, like, you know, again, syntax and things like that. So there are a lot of ways where you can make sure a student gets what they need on certain skills, but you don't have to target it directly in therapy. You can divide and conquer with other people on your team. So some things can be eliminated, some things can be delegated, and some things can be prioritized for later. So you don't necessarily need to work on them right now. You might need to work on other things. And then some things can be embedded. So for example, there are certain skills, and I'll give you a specific example right now. One of them would be things like, you know, verb tenses, pronouns, things like that, where you see a lot of goals for those on a language therapy IEP, but a lot of times those things don't need to have their, you know, you don't need to have a, a one goal for every single grammatical skill that you're working on. They are important to work on, but you don't necessarily need to target them all directly. You might have another skill that is your main focus in therapy, but then you might be embedding some of those other things. And so that's how you want to think about that is that, You don't always need to have all the skills be your main focus. They don't all need to be a separate goal, and you want to do them in the right sequence. So we don't want to do them all at once. That's going to stress you out. That's going to stress your students out. And it's just not necessary in order for your students to make progress. So mistake number one, treating the symptom before the cause. Mistake number two, treating everything at once. And then mistake number three, again, this kind of leads into what I've been talking about So a lot of times people might, um, you know, maybe they realized that they are, they want to build those underlying language skills. Maybe they realized that they um, can't target all the things all the time. They know that these certain things are important. They know that they can't do all of them. They know that they need to delegate some or prioritize some, but then the next step is, okay, how do I do that? And so The next mistake that I see people making is just not having a system. So they're trying to prioritize and they're trying to think through that all the time. But instead of having a cohesive system that they start with that helps them to make a lot of those decisions up front about the sequence of the skills that they're going to target, the process that they're going to use and how they're going to cycle through the skills, um, a a framework for understanding what things need to be delegated, what things need to be worked on directly, what things need to be embedded and prioritized. Instead of doing that, what they do is that they're kind of making a decision before each session instead of making a decision before starting a series of sessions. And so what you want to do is almost automate this process as much as possible and create a system and a process so once you complete one step, The only decision that you need to make is, are we ready to move on to the next step? And not, what is the next step? Because a lot of times when you don't have that process, then you're requiring yourself to make a lot of decisions on the spot. You're requiring yourself to figure out what's my game plan and what's my strategy Um, so, well, actually, let me back up. You want, you might be deciding what's the skill that I'm working on. And then you have to figure out for that skill, what's the strategy. So what's, how am I going to elicit that in therapy and, um, you know, figuring out if that's evidence-based. So you have to decide that you also have to decide things like, um, what materials am I going to use in order to do that? and what's going to be the structure of my session. So there's a lot of things that need to be answered. And if you don't have a go-to set of strategies and materials, and if you don't have a framework for structuring those things, then it does require you to make a lot of decisions up front. And that means that you're spending a lot of time planning. You're spending a lot of time Googling for therapy materials. um, You're spending a lot of time just... Just thinking and processing, and so when you actually show up to your sessions, you're tired, and it it makes it really hard in order to um, to figure out what what decisions you need to make. And so that is why I am so focused on frameworks and systems and processes rather than things like goal banks and worksheets and things like that. Yes, some of those things are fine, and you know again i mentioned teachers pay teachers teachers pay teachers is fine if you are using it within the right context if you have a strategy that fits into your system and it happens to be something that you found on teachers pay teachers of course that's fine but if you're if you're using the worksheets to create the system then that's that's the opposite of what you want it to be doing that's kind of a backwards way of looking at it so Um, And again, it's kind of beyond the scope of this specific video because I wanted to just give you kind of a high level idea of what's coming in the next uh, next few lives. But this is exactly why I've designed things the way that I do, because a lot of times people want me, you know, that the question that I get, I'd say the number one question I get in about language therapy is where do I start? Because again, people are going through this whole thought process that I've been describing today. And so that's probably the number one question I get. And then the second most common question I get is what goals do I need to work on in language therapy? And I would say that um, that would kind of fall in line with treating the symptom before the cause, because again, a lot of times the... Not knowing what goals that you need to write in language therapy are a symptom of not having a system. So that's why I don't create a lot of goal banks. I do have a process that I teach within Language Therapy Advanced Foundations that does outline some specific behaviors and skills that you can work on but it's really more of a process for writing goals and problem solving rather than a goal bank itself because i think that giving a goal bank would do slps a disservice if i'm not if i'm not explaining the process that you need to do in order to write good goals because the way that my specific process works is that the behaviors and the skills that i list within that Goal Bank is um, it's designed, it's not an exhaustive list. It's designed to get you started and to help you start thinking about writing goals so that you can kind of expand on what I've done because I can't predict exactly what's going on with everyone's caseload. So what I can do is give you a way to think about things differently rather than just telling you what to do, even though I do talk about specific strategies. And so that is also why I don't give a scripted curriculum which is what a lot of people wish that they had for language therapy. It's what I wish that I had for language therapy. But as I got into my doctoral research, I realized that, number one, that didn't exist. So I wanted to create my own. But as I started to create my own or to try to figure out how to design, how to do that, I realized why one didn't exist in the first place. So, um, And it's because it's there's no way that you could create something scripted and, and that prescriptive um, or let me, let me use a different word, um, scripted and rigid for kids. And there's no way I could create something like that and have it fit everybody's caseload. And it would just require you as the SLP to have to modify it so much for each one of your kids that would, it would be more trouble than it's worth and it wouldn't be helpful. So, um, that's why I am more about a framework. And I do give you specific strategies that can be customized and modified based on students' ability levels and um, based on what, they're, what they need as far as what they need to be successful in their curriculum. But um, it does have, so it has a, a structure built in that helps you to make decisions about what strategies to, to use and what skills to target and how to uh, a process for sequencing through them. In a way that makes sense based on what kids need as far as language and literacy as far as what they need to support executive functioning but it's not something that's rigid so we've got to find that perfect balance of structure and flexibility and so that's what i aim to do because i don't want you to get stuck with with any of these mistakes so um I am going to do an additional live session on Monday and Tuesday to kind of outline the process that I teach in Language Therapy Advanced Foundations. Again, kind of a high level of why I teach what I teach just to help you to figure out, okay, what skills can I actually focus on to get the biggest bang for my buck? I'll give you a quick teaser, the five components and the framework that I teach that are aimed to support vocabulary so that kids can have that high-level comprehension that they need in order to succeed in school and process language. Those five areas are phonology, orthography, morphology, semantics, and syntax, because they all support vocabulary, they all support comprehension, and they all support executive functioning. And the way that I do it is going to kind of uh embed all of those skills within the process. So again, it's not that we're not working on certain skills, it's just that we might be delegating them or embedding them in a different way. Rather than thinking about them as separate discrete skills, we want to think about this as a connected system. So um, I will, I'm gonna wrap up for today. Thank you so much for everybody who popped in to listen. I am going to be Doing some extra Q&A sessions and opening up some spots in my calendar to do one-on-one consults in July for people who are part of Language Therapy Advanced Foundations. Language Therapy Advanced Foundations is my course for SLPs where I teach them a system that is designed to solve all the issues that I talked about today. Um, it, it's designed to teach that five-component process for building language processing and the language skills that support literacy and executive functioning and really helps you to create a cohesive system for designing your language therapy for your K-12 caseload. So I will share a link in the comments to that enrollment page for that course. Again, I am doing some special things in July, some extra Q&A sessions for members. So I do some group calls with my members. I'm doing some extra sessions for them. And then I'm also going to be opening up my calendar for one-on-ones for members. I'm just doing that in July because that is a good time of year for people to be catching up on their professional development. So if you've been on the fence about joining and you've been kind of kind of lurking, now would be a great time for you to join us because you'll get to take advantage of some of those things that I'm going to be doing over the summer. So I will be talking a little bit more about the framework that I teach in here um, just to give you a little bit more information about how it works. So I'll be talking about that on Monday and Tuesday. But for now, I will wrap up and I will share the link to the enrollment page below in the comments. So if you have been feeling like you don't know where to start when it comes to language therapy and you want a better system, or if you've been in the field for a while and you feel like, oh my gosh, I should have this figured out by now, then definitely check it out. I'd love to have you join us. So thank you so much, everybody, and have a wonderful day. Before I wrap up, I just wanted to thank you again for listening and let you know that the next few episodes, I am going to be sharing the additional Facebook Lives that I did that walk through some more specifics about the framework that I teach when it comes to designing a good language intervention plan. So with that being said, if you want to learn more about this five component process and learn the specific steps to implementing it, specifically around building the language skills that are needed to support reading, writing, academic performance, high level problem solving, executive functioning, and a lot of the skills that students will need in order to be successful in school and life then definitely check out the Language Therapy Advanced Foundation's enrollment page to learn all the details. Again, I'm doing some special things this summer. So if you have been thinking about joining, now is a great time to take the leap. To learn more, go to drkarenspeech.com backslash language therapy. Again, that's drkarenspeech.com backslash language therapy or check the show notes for the direct link. Thank you again for listening and I will see you in the next episode.